Glory to God. Thank you, Father, that uh, we've inherited you and that you poured out your spirit and that your spirit is in us. Thank you that you're in our midst today, that you're in us and you're in our midst, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you could, uh, man, just guide us to the place where we're fully persuaded that we are your sons and daughters, that we're fully persuaded that you're our father and that we're able to walk in the power of sonship, that we're able to walk in the, the power of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. That's what I want to talk about today is identity. Um, because we, and I mean, we call it identity, but the scriptures call it sonship. And sonship doesn't mean that it excludes women, okay? It's talking about those whose lives have been born from above, right? Those whose lives have come from the Father of lights in heaven himself, and they haven't been born from the earth, right? We're not earthy men and women, right? We're from heaven, like Jesus himself. I love when Jesus said, you are from below and I am from above. Well, all of us can say that we are from above, <laughs> right? And if you're talking heavenly language and the carnal mind doesn't understand you, that might be because they're earthy still, right? And they have not seen that the heavens have been opened up and that there's a glorified human being having inherited the fullness of immortality inside of his flesh at the right hand of God. So we, we, we talk about identity a lot, especially in like the modern day church and the modern day grace message. Um, we say it all the time. I've said it a bunch of times, right? You got to know your identity, right? And you got to know who you are and you got to know who's y'all, right? And listen, amen. It's true. I believe all those things. I've said all those things, but why is there power in sonship? Why is there power in being the children of God? And how is it can we walk in the power of our identity? If we rejoice in that, we rejoice in being the children of God. But we don't want it to just be a Christian cliche in our lives where we say we're the children of God. And we come and we have all these thoughts about it that strip away the power of being the sons and daughters of God. That actually get in the way or act as a stumbling block to us walking in the power of our real identity. right? Because there's power in sonship. There's power in being the sons and daughters of God. right? There's power for our life. And I don't mean power where you can go you know, get a new car. You might get a new car, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's power for you to tread on serpents. There's power for you to be filled with the peace and the love and the joy of God as you walk in this earth, right? And when I think back in my own life, there were some stumbling blocks to the identity. A lot of what I learned about identity and what it meant to be a child of God wasn't built on the foundation of Christ and Him crucified. It, it wasn't built on that. And what I would say is there was a lot that I learned about identity that was wood, hay, and stubble. <laughs> there was a whole lot of wood, hay, and stubble there. When I think of what the primary things I was taught about identity, and it, it left me in the place where I was like one of the three little pigs, you know? And the one particularly whose house was made out of straw. <laughs> and the big bad wolf would come and he would huff and puff and he would blow my little house down. And I would wonder, how is this guy blowing my house down still? Right? How is it going on? As my, as my good friend Rick Sarber would say from South Carolina, it's the gospel of relief. But my ideas about identity had been built on things that gave me relief and they were nice to hear. It's not that they weren't, you know, good to hear. It's not that they didn't provide anything, but they didn't supply the power of sonship. 
right? And so I knew I was beautiful to God. I knew that God wasn't judging me for my sin anymore. And yet somehow the devil still had something in me. He was still devouring me. He was still able to torment me with lack and condemnation. I was still tossed to and fro all the time, never finding stability in my life and then under, never understanding why. Why am I not finding stability in my life? I know I'm beautiful to God. I know he's not judging me for my sin. I know he's my father. But I didn't really understand what sonship was, was actually talking about. I didn't really understand what it meant to be a son or daughter of God. And I didn't understand why there was power in that because my ideas of those things were built on carnal stuff. Right? They were built on carnal stuff. And then one day when I was lamenting with God, telling him those things, what gives, man? I know I'm beautiful to you. I know I'm a treasure. I get that. That's nice to hear. Feels nice to hear that. I know you're not judging me for my sin. It's nice to know that. Why am I tormented all the time still? And I heard God say real clearly when I was in the midst of lamenting, and you guys have heard me say this a lot, he said, Greg, have you considered the resurrection lately? Hmm. If I'd have been smart last week, I would have posted on Facebook, checking in the Gospel Revolution Church, and I would have picked the emoji of this because the message was about considering Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> have you considered the resurrection lately? And what he was saying to me, have you considered, because here I am, what's, what gives, man? I'm your son. How can the devil still have something in me? How come he didn't? I see he didn't have nothing in Jesus. And I'm not trying to perfect myself like Jesus, but I see that you brought that forth in Jesus, where you were the father of, of the man Jesus and how you produced something in him, that he walked in something where the devil didn't have anything in him. And so when he said, have you considered the resurrection lately, what he was asking me is, have you considered the life that manifested in Jesus when I raised him from the dead by the power of my life, when I raised him from the dead by my Holy Spirit, the spirit of my life? Have you considered that life? Well, it took me a while to unpack. What does that got to do with my problem right now? How is considering the resurrection going to help me walk in the power of my identity, which was the issue right then, right? How is that going to help me? Well, I've, I've since come to see that the big disconnect in my, in my learn, learning about identity is I didn't understand where the power of sonship was actually found. It's nice to be beautiful to God. That might get you close enough to God to understand what it means that you're a son, but the power of sonship is not found in you being beautiful to God. Guess what? All the unbelievers are also beautiful to God. And so what I learned is that the power of sonship comes from identifying with the resurrected Jesus. The power of sonship comes from identifying with the resurrected Jesus. The power of our identity as sons and daughters of God comes in possessing the life of the Father. That's where the power of our identity as the children of God comes from. It comes in the fact that we are possessing the life of the Father, the life that, has, the, life that the Father has in himself. The definitive mark, the definitive seal of sonship is possessing eternal life. It's possessing eternal life. Do you know what convinces you that you're the son and daughter of God? The presence of eternal life. 
Do you know what convinces you that God's your Father? The presence of eternal life. You ever wondered why you wonder if you're a son or daughter of God when you see death all around you? You wonder why Jesus heard the voice, if you are the son? When did he hear that voice? When it looked like eternal life was there or when it looked like death was there? Death. So the presence of death works against you being persuaded that you're the children of God. The presence of death tries to work against you being persuaded that God's your father, that he's there with you. And so it's the presence of eternal life that will cause your heart to be fully persuaded that you are the son and daughter of God. It's the presence of eternal life that will cause your heart to be persuaded that God is your father. And I don't just mean like uh, God's my father. I mean like a deep heart persuasion like the Lord Jesus said, I abide in his love. Right? Jesus abided in the love of the Father even when he was nailed to a tree. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's the kind of power that I'm getting at. Right? And if you look at Jesus, you guys remember when Jesus was, was baptized in the Jordan River? You know that example? It's, it's, it's um, remembered in more than one gospel. One of the gospels says, this is my beloved son. And it's for our benefit. Because it says, this is. He's talking to us. But I think it's Mark's gospel where the Father is talking directly to Jesus when Jesus is in the Jordan River. And he says, you are my beloved son. You guys know the Holy Spirit is the breath of God? In the Hebrew, it's the ruach, Kadesh, of God. The Spirit is the breath of God. What that means is when God speaks, his Spirit comes out. And so there's Jesus, son of man. He's going off into the Jordan River, and his ministry is about to begin. Do you know what he needed to be fully persuaded of when his ministry began, before his ministry began? That he was the Son of God, and that God was his Father. And he needed to know that he knew that. It, it needed to be to where even the death in this world couldn't convince him otherwise. So the Father says to him as he's going off in the Jordan River, You are my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And as he says that simultaneously, do you know what comes out of his mouth onto Jesus? The Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. It's called the spirit of life. And so when the father wanted to persuade Jesus fully that he was the son of God, when he wanted to declare openly, this is the son of God, he released his breath and out of his breath came his life. And his life descended and rested upon Jesus. And it was the presence of his life, his spirit of life, that was now the, the declaration or the proof that Jesus is the son of God and that God is his father. If you look in Romans chapter 1, Paul says that Jesus was revealed to be the Son of God. Do you know when he says he was revealed to be the Son of God? When he was raised from the dead by the Spirit of holiness. Well, what happened when Jesus was raised from dead by the Spirit of holiness? The life of God manifested in his flesh. It was the life there that was the evidence or the proof that he was the Son. And it was the death of the cross that tried to come and tell everybody he's not the Son. And so it's the presence of eternal life. It's the knowing that you have eternal life. And I don't just mean ethereally. It's where you live in this world and you live in this world saying, my life is from above. My life has been born from the Father and the life that the Father has in himself. And when you're simultaneously declaring that, you know what else you're saying? My life is not from this world. My life is not of this world. It's not of the happenings of this world. It's not contained in the things of this world. It's not contained in the life that's born from this world. 
Because when you identify with the life that's of this world, guess what that works to do? Keep you from walking in the power of sonship. Do you know why? Because the life that's of the world didn't come from the Father. And so if you're all the time walking around identifying with the life in the world, do you know what you're going to end up feeling like? A son of the world. A child of the world. And guess what you'll start experiencing? The life that comes forth from the world. You see what I'm saying? When you, when you think of what makes someone, or when you think of what makes you someone's son or daughter, what is it that we think of in those moments? Like when you think of who you call father, who you call mother. I mean, what is it that causes you to believe that you're their son or daughter? What is it that makes you fully persuaded that you ain't my son or daughter? What is it that there could be no confusion? That if I come to your house and say, I'm your father. Were you like, no, you ain't. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, why is there no confusion in that? When, when you think of being someone's son or daughter, it's all about where has your life come from? That's what defines that for you. Where did my life come from? Growing up, Listen, no one could have convinced me that my neighbor was my father or my mother. No one could have convinced me that I was the son of my neighbor. Do you know why? Because growing up, I knew that my life had come forth from Larry and Denise. There was no confusion about where my life had come forth from. Right? There was no confusion there. When I thought of my life, I didn't think of the life my friend had. I didn't think of what he had in his house. I didn't think of what was going on there. Because I knew that my life had come from Larry and Denise in their house. I knew that. No, I was fully persuaded. I had some nice friends. They had some nice parents. You know what never happened when I was over there and their parents were there and I was participating with them in their family good time? I never thought they're my father or they're my, my mother. I never thought I'm their son. You know why? I knew my life didn't come from them. And so this is what we're talking about with the power of sonship. Where has your life come from? You know, something else that happens when you know where your life has come from, right? This, you, you understand where the, the, the life that you need is found. And so that's what caused me to, to, to know that I was Larry and Denise's son, that I knew I had come forth from them, right? That's where the power, the power for me to walk in my identity as Larry and Denise's son was that I knew my life had come from them, right? So when I needed to eat, when I needed to sleep, when I needed clothes, where do you think I went? To Larry and Denise's house. Right? Do you know what caused me to be able to experience the life that they had and the life that was in their house? Do you know what caused me to be able to experience that life? Was I knew my life had come from them. They provided a nice life. They provided a nice house. There was food there. There was clothes there. There was love there. There was care there. And do you know what caused me to go there to find all those things? I knew that my life had come from them. I knew that my life had come from them. And so the whole point of being the sons and daughters of God, the whole point of being the children of God, is that you know where your life has come from. It's all about where has your life come from. So that when you think about your life, you think about it in a very specific way. And you don't think about it in the other way. Just like I said with my friends. I didn't think about my friend's life when I thought of my own life. Right? I mean, one of my friends, he had to do a lot of chores. And he couldn't play too much, you know, and I felt sad for him 
that when we go knock on his door, he can't come out and play. He's got chores. But listen, I didn't walk away thinking about his life because that wasn't my life. I didn't walk away thinking, oh, man, chores are horrible because my life wasn't born from his house. My life wasn't born from his family, right? And so that's where the power of, of identity is. That's where the power of walking in sonship is found. Where has your life come from? What kind of a life is it, right? And what kind of a life is it not? And we'll pick up John chapter 1, and we'll start from the beginning. Some of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many, but as, many as received him, listen, listen to what he says. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them, that believe on his name. You see there, he's talking about the power to become the sons of God. He's talking about where the power comes from for you to walk in sonship, for you to walk in your identity. I don't get to have an opinion. You don't get to have an opinion. We like our opinions, though, right? Billy and I, I think we like our opinions more than anyone. Seriously, him and I could get together and we talk about how great our opinions are, you know, because <laughs> we've thought about it a lot. We twist on it. So there's value there. That's what we think. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. I'm sorry. It's just me. It's not you. <laughs> you. You see how he's talking about where the power of sonship comes from? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Notice where he says the power does not come from, which are not, which were not born which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He's encapsulating the whole, the whole identity thing right there, if you want to call it that. He's encapsulating sonship and why there's power in being the sons and daughters of God. And he's encapsulating what strengthens. To them, receive power, he says. To appear, that word become means to appear as the sons of God. So when you talk about appearing as the sons of God, it's not just talking about one day your body will be glorified with immortal flesh. It is talking about that. But it's talking about experiencing the life of Christ now. It's talking about experiencing the life of a son of God or a daughter of God now. It's talking about treading on serpents now. And it says to all those who received him. That word receive means to grab a hold of. It means to believe on. It means to make use of something. And in the context of God, in the, these verses, it means to all those who receive from God his life as a gift. All those who looked at the life that the world could offer. All those who looked at the best the world could bring forth and said that, man, that life, that's not my life. The life that's been born from blood, 
The life that's been born from the blood of man, the strength in man's flesh, the life that's been born from the will of man, the life that the world has fathered. Listen, man, that's not my life. To all those who have grabbed the hold of the very life of the Father that manifested in this man, Jesus, to them received power to experience the life of a son in this earth now. And we know that that's just the first fruits, and there's going to come a day where we're going to appear in front of all creation clothed in immortality. And that's the finality of this. And so I love what John does there. I find there's so much confusion about so many things. When John starts with, in the beginning was the Word, he's drawing on Genesis 1. If you don't know, that's what he's doing. So guess what? Back to it again. You don't get to have your opinion about what John means. I don't get to have an opinion about what John means. This is one of the problems in the body of Christ. We all want to be rabbi. I'm not rabbi. You're not rabbi. Jesus is rabbi. And so when John says in the beginning was the word, he's directly drawing on Genesis. Well, guess what Genesis 1.1? Guess what Genesis 1.1 is written outside of time? Time hadn't begun yet. And so when it says in the beginning God, it's not talking about time. It's not denoting time. And so when John says, in the beginning was the word, he's not talking about time. He's talking about very, something very specific. And you know what Genesis 1 is talking about when it says, in the beginning of God? Do you know what it's actually saying? God, the father of everything that lives. God, the chief of all things. God, the one from whom everything that has life got it. That's the point that he's making. That's why John goes on to say in the next verses, in him was life. It goes on to talk about how he created all things. This word created all things. I mean, what does put the, the conversation about whether or not Jesus is God to bed? John says that Jesus created all things. I, you can't get around it. I mean, you can play calisthenics with your doctrine because you, you're lovers of yourself and you're lovers of your own doctrine. And you're not lovers of the truth, right? But you can't get around it. He, John says Jesus created everything. He says that which created everything came in the flesh is what he says. There's nothing that has life that didn't get life from him, he says. And then he says that thing, which is the chief of all life, that thing from which everything that's created was created, that thing became flesh is what he says. And so John would come in. The whole point is where's life? And what is life? Really, it's the only life. And so John says, in Jesus was life. And he says, the life that was in Jesus was the light of men. And so what he's saying there is, the life the Father has in himself. Remember, Jesus said, the Father has life in himself. And he has given that I would have life in myself also. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Jesus is the very life of the Father. That's why it says he created all things, because everything was created from the life of the Father. So when the Father said, let there be light, remember, the light is his life. What the Father did was he emptied himself of his life so that in his life being let loose, it would bring forth life everywhere. Because he's Father, don't you know? And so what John is saying there is the life the Father has in himself came in the flesh. It manifested in Jesus. And that life was the light of mankind. 
John follows the ver- that verse up a few verses later by saying Jesus is the light that lights up every person. Every person who comes into the earth. This light lights up every person that comes into the earth. And then he says, and all those who receive, for all those who receive him, he will give them power to appear as the sons of God. Where does the power come from to appear as the sons of God? Jesus. What does John say about Jesus? In Jesus was life. And so the power to appear as the sons of God, the power to appear and experience the life of a son is found in the life of God. The life that manifested in the flesh of Jesus when he was raised from the dead by the spirit of life. That's why when I was lamenting about my life and I was lamenting about uh, why am I not experiencing the life of a son, God said to me, have you considered the resurrection, Greg? Have you considered the life that I have in myself that was manifested in this man, Jesus, that became flesh in Jesus? Have you considered that life, Greg? Because that's the life you have and that life has come forth for me and within that life is the power for you to experience the life of a son. I wasn't considering that life that I saw manifest in the resurrection of Jesus. Do you know what life I was considering? The one I saw all around me. (laughs) I was considering what I feel. I don't despise my feelings, but I'm also not going to build my doctrine necessarily around whether I feel happy or not one day. What I mean by that is if I don't feel happy one day, I'm not going to judge that to mean that I don't have life. (laughs) If I feel weak one day, I'm not going to judge that to mean I don't have life. And you see, that's what I was doing. I was considering weakness. I was considering uh, sorrow. I was considering pain. I was considering hurt. I was considering all those things as if my life was wrapped up in those things. That's why I wasn't experiencing the life of a son. And by considering, I mean I was twisting on them as if my life was held there. I wasn't like talking with God. Oh, I'm sorrowful. You know, I wasn't like connecting with God about the hurt that I felt. You guys following me? Where's the power of sonship found? Jesus. What's in Jesus? The life of the Father. Where did that life come from? Above. Where does it not come from? Below. If you want to experience the life of a son, where do you look? The Father. If you want to not experience the life of the world, where do you not look? Below. Okay, good. We're, we're following along. That's more for my benefit, right? Because like I said, you know, you hear the voice. No one understands anything you're saying. So Jesus, John says Jesus is the light that lights up every person who comes into the earth. And what John is saying there is the life that manifested in Jesus. It declare, when he says Jesus is a light that lights up every person who comes into the earth, he's saying the life that manifested in Jesus declares something to everyone in the world. It declares something to everyone in the world. And do you know what it declares to everyone in the world? It declares to everyone in the world that they have an inheritance. And the Father is their inheritance. This, the life of God manifested in the Son of Man. And what that's declaring to you is you have an inheritance. And it's declaring to you that your inheritance is the Father himself. In Jesus, we see the Father's life in the flesh. When we see Jesus, we see that the Father's life has been loosed on all flesh. 
We see the eternal life that is in the Father, that created all things, that brought forth all life and everything that exists, that gave breath to everything that breathes. We see that that very life has been loosed on all flesh. It's been loosed on you. In Jesus, we see the Father has emptied himself of his life and loosed it on you. You've inherited God, like Paul would say. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And he says what we're heirs of. We're heirs of God. Heirs of God. And so when that life manifested in Jesus, it's telling you you have an inheritance stored up for you. There's a home. You come from somewhere. Come home to your inheritance. Your inheritance is God himself. Your inheritance is the life of the Father himself. The Father has a sinless life. The Father has a life that's been perfected from death. The Father has a life that can't be overcome by corruption. It can't be overcome by the world. It can't be overcome by the sin and death in this world. And the Father has manifested Himself in His life inside of the body of Jesus' resurrection so that He could come and offer you that life as a gift. That's what the life that manifested in Jesus is declaring. Here's God, and here he is with his life in his hand to give you. And it makes sense. We ought to know that, after all, because he's the one who created everything to begin with. It's kind of like setting the stage for how do you know what Jesus came into the earth to give you? Well, he created everything. And so if he showed up in the earth, and he's the one that created everything, we know that he showed up to give you life. That's what he showed up for. He showed up to give you life. So the Father has come. The life that manifested in Jesus, we're still talking about that. I'm shifting over into language. You're supposed to see the Father there. And you're supposed to see that the Father manifested himself in his life inside of the body of Jesus' resurrection so that he has come to give you of himself his most precious gift, his life. So that your mind become filled with the life that's from above. You don't just think that there is a life that's from above, but your mind start becoming filled with the life that was inside of this guy, Jesus, who was filled with all weakness, who was filled with all death, who had nothing good from the world, who had everything bad that was in the world, and that life that was in him even overcame that world and glorified his body with immortality. That's the life the Father has drawn near to you to give you so that you can begin thinking about that life. So you could grab a hold of that life. And now the life you have would be from above, the self-same substance of the Father. That's why the Nicene Council gathered and said Jesus is not a created being. And it's heresy to call Jesus a mortal man. He is not a mortal. Before Abraham was, he was. He created everything. He's of the self-same substance of the Father. He is the Father's life. And he come to give it to you. He shed his blood for you. The Father shed his blood for you. Go read Acts chapter 20. You'll see Paul talk about God shed his blood for you. The Father shed his blood for you. He entered into corruption. He entered into the depths of our sin-stained life. And you know why he entered into the depths of our sin-stained life? That he might make manifest himself in his life, in the body of Jesus' resurrection, and come and offer to us his life as a gift, free from our works. Grab a hold of that, John is saying. It's yours. It's your inheritance, that life that manifested in Jesus. We talk about life like it's common. Eternal life, it's just a common thing. Who cares? When can I get that car? Eternal life, it's a common thing. Man, when will I get the job that I want? Eternal life, it's a common thing. When will my spouse act right? 
I'm, I'm, I'm explaining Becky's, you know, cry. I'm joking. Becky doesn't cry like that. We've counted it as common. So what John is saying is all those who receive Jesus, all those who grab a hold of Jesus, believe on his name. All those who believe the testimony the Father has given in Jesus and call upon his name for life. Those who allow God to surname them. Those who believe on the goodness of the Father and come home to their inheritance. Those who lay down the life the world has given them and receive the gift of the Father himself and lay hold of the life that he gave them freely in Jesus. They shall receive strength to appear as the sons of God. You see where the strength comes from? This strength isn't just for you to be glorified immortal. You will be glorified immortal. That's the hope of the gospel. We have a certainty of life manifesting. But the strength for you to experience the very life that Jesus the Christ experienced when he walked this earth is found in you laying hold of the life the Father has given you. And this life is not born of the world. And in fact, if you grab a hold of the life that's born from the world, that will cause you, that will be a stumbling block to you experiencing the life of a son. It will, you can believe you're the most beautiful thing that God that ever exist, existed. But if you keep identifying with the life that's born from the world, you'll be filled with all weakness. You'll be filled with all torment. And you'll sit in a place where you say, I'm beautiful to God, but that hasn't done anything to help me. That word become, the, the King James says, to all those who receive him or believe on his name, to them gave he power to become. That word become there speaks more accurately of appearing. So the word become means to appear. It means to appear as the sons of God, right? And so John is telling us the strength to appear as the sons of God is found in possessing the life of the Father. Do we have the life of the Father? Well, what does that life look like? What is it made up of? How does that life respond? How does it interact with the world and the things in the world? What does this life do, right? Like we all are very acquainted with the life we have in the world. How many of you know about the stock market? How many of you know about retirement plans? How many of you know about social security? How many of you know what time the grocery store opens and closes? How many of you know you need insurance for your car and for your house and that you got a mortgage you have to pay and that you need, have a bank, you need a bank account? Brothers and sisters, I understand that we're in this world and we have to navigate these things that are in this world, but I promise you, we know more about the things that pertain to the life in this world than we know about the life that we have from the Father. And you could just ask God, listen, I see that you have life in yourself and I see that life manifested in Jesus. And I believe that you come to give me life. And I've grabbed the hold of that life. But what is this life? I want to learn of this life and what it means to have your life in me now. And you can just ask him that. And God himself will begin ministering to you. He'll begin ministering to you. That's where the power of sonship is contained. It's the power to walk in your identity of the children of God is found in considering yourself dead to the things that are contained in the world and considering yourself alive to God. That's what Paul said in Romans when he said, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Well, this world was founded in sin. 
And what that means is, is Adam founded death in this world. This whole world system has been built on the sin of one man, Adam. What means it's been built on corruption. It's been built on death. It's been built on a perishable life. Well, consider yourself dead to the world that was founded when Adam sinned and brought death into the world. And consider yourself alive to God and the life that God has in himself. And that will strengthen you to walk in the power of your identity. Does that make sense? You guys following that? That's what John's talking about, right? Where is, he says clearly, the strength to appear as the son and daughter of God is found in grabbing a hold of the life that was manifested in Jesus. When you feel weak, do you know what you're in need of? Thinking about the life the Father has in himself and how that life is in you and you are in that life. When you feel torment, you know what you're in need of being reminded of? That the life that's in the Father, the life that overcomes death in the flesh, is in you, and you are in that life. You can even start to get an image of that life producing life in you, overcoming death in you. What does the life of the Father do? It brings forth life out of nothingness, in chaos, in darkness. There's a reason why Genesis reports that. There, you could have recorded, you think there's not more than two chapters we could record on all of creation? You think we couldn't have the whole Bible that's just on the creation? But notice what the Holy Spirit takes time to record. That there was darkness and chaos and nothingness upon the face of the deep. It was void of life, darkness, blackness. And then it makes a point to say what? And then the Father emptied himself. The Father has life in himself. And the Father emptied the life that was in himself. And the life that he has in himself, when it got up in the midst of that darkness and that chaos and that destruction, it brought forth life. The reason why it draws that picture is so you can begin thinking of that life dwelling in you. You have that life inside of you. And so you can even start finding your imagination captivated with that life when you're encountering weakness and death in this world. When you're encountering torment and lack, you can start thinking of the life the Father has in himself and what it did inside of the body of Jesus' death and what it did inside of creation and how it echoed and brought forth light. You can even begin to think about the light being inside of you and it's swallowing the darkness that you see surrounding you. There's strength in that, the strength to walk in sonship. I mean, I preached this message right after last week because we talked about considering Jesus last week and where he found strength. What is it that he considered? The life that he had in himself. Where did he consider that life came from? The Father. So when he was nailed to a tree, that's the life that the world brought forth. That's the life of the world. That death on that cross is the life that the world fathered. But when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't look at the life the world fathered because he didn't come from the earth. He knew where he came from. And he was from above. And so when he thought of his life, he didn't think of the life that was born of the world. He thought of the life that the Father has in himself. He began thinking about that life, what it does when it's let loose. He began thinking about how this life swallows darkness. And he began thinking that life is in me. And this life will even bring forth light in the midst of my body that's darkened with death. The strength of sonship. He couldn't walk because he was nailed to a cross. Jesus is walking in the power of sonship, even nailed to a cross. What do I mean? He abided in the Father's love. He went to rest in the Father's love for him. Why? Because he said, my life isn't from the world. So this death that the world is fathering, it's not my life. 
And in fact, the life that I have from above, I'm not from below. I'm not just earthy. I'm not just of dust. My life isn't but dust. My life is of a heavenly substance. It's from above. And the life that I have from above from the Father, that life can even raise a body up out of the grave. That's what he began thinking of. Romans chapter 8, and we'll finish with this. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 is where we'll start. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You see, talking about sonship and identity? See how it's telling you all about it right here. But I'm telling you, we read these verses and it's like cliches. We read them and we're like, we should feel happy about that. And we do, because we're the children of God. But what does that mean? I don't know, but I feel happy. But next week, when I encounter hard times, I won't be so happy. <laughs> For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, a sound mind for the spirit of fear. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit's talking to you. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children of God, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. So the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are the children of God. And do you know how Paul says the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are the children of God? The Spirit testifies to you that you have inherited God. The Spirit testifies to you that the life the Father has in Himself is in you. The Spirit testifies to you that your life is from above. Your life is not from below. Your life is not held in the shipwreck that's happened to you, the beatings that's happened to you, the cross that's happened to you. Your life is not held in the hard times that have happened to you, but your life is actually held in the Father of Light. And when you see your life is from above, guess what your heart cries out? Abba. When you think your life, Paul, we're using Paul because he wrote this. If you think your life is found in shipwreck, if you think your life is found that you were beat with 40 lashes multiple times, if you think your life is found in the fact that you were stoned and left for dead, if you think your life is found in uh, being in prison, in being imprisoned, if you think your life is found there, Guess what that will testify to you? I'm a lamb being led away to the slaughter. I don't have anyone to shepherd my life. Where is God now? Does that sound like the strength of sonship? You know what will come upon you when you're persuaded that God's your father? You know what will come upon you when you're persuaded that you're a son and daughter of God? You know what will come upon you? You'll, that you'll see God is with you of a surety. You'll know. God is there. So real quick, because this has been coming up a lot, Paul talked about at the end that we're, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Paul's not talking about suffering with Jesus like you need to go have hard times. He's not saying, well, you need to go find a cross so that you can be nailed to it. I mean, we have people that think that, and they're out there doing that, right? 
That's not what he's talking about there. Now, we will encounter tribulation, but Paul's not talking about you encountering physical tribulation there. When he's talking about, if so be that we suffer with Jesus, what he's talking about is if we partake with Jesus, the way you partake with Jesus in his sufferings is you partake with Jesus in the faith that was in his heart when he was being nailed to the cross. When was Jesus suffering? When he was nailed to the cross. Something was going on in his heart when he was nailed to the cross. There was a faith there. And the way you partake with Jesus in his sufferings is you partake with him in his faith, in the faith that he had when he was being nailed to the cross. That's what Paul's talking about there. Okay? And then he goes on to talk about the spirit of adoption. The spirit adopts us, he says. And to put different language to it, the spirit corrals us in the life of God. That's what the Spirit does. He says the Spirit leads you to the place where your heart will cry out, Abba. What that means is the Spirit will, in good times, well, Paul just talked about all the shipwreck. So it's, 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 it's not re related to your circumstances being good. The Spirit will lead us to the place where we know that we know God is our Father and we go to rest in His love. That's where the Spirit will lead you. He says, the Spirit testifies to our spirits that we are the children of God. Now, how does the Spirit testify to our spirits that we are the children of God? Is it just by telling you you are the children of God? Because what happens when you leave, let's say the Spirit tells you you're the daughter of God, and you leave and you end up nailed to a tree. You still believe you're the child of God then? So how does the Spirit testify to us that we're the, child, the, the, the sons and daughters of God? How did the Spirit testify to Jesus that he was the Son of God? How did God testify to Jesus that he's the Son of God when he poured out of himself his what? The Spirit of his life. So just have that thought. You could meditate on that thought so you could come to your own language. But Paul, if we ask the question, how does the Spirit do that? How does the Spirit testify to us that we're the children of God? Well, what Paul comes and says is the Spirit testifies to us that we've inherited God. That's how he testifies to us that we're the children of God. You're the temple of God. God is dwelling inside of you. God himself is in you. The Spirit testifies to us that we have inherited God, that we have inherited the life of the Father, the same life that we see manifested in the body of Jesus' resurrection. And Paul, in the same context, calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of life. He calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of life. And so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of life. And you know what the Holy Spirit does to convince you that you're the child of God? The Holy Spirit comes to you and tells you your life's from above. That your life has come from above. That your life is not of this world. The Spirit testifies to our hearts that the life we possess in these earthen vessels is from the Father of lights in heaven. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of life, it testifies to us that our lives are not born from the strength of the flesh. Our lives are not born from the will of man. Our lives are not born from the things of this world. Because those are the things that would testify to us that we're a lamb being led away to the slaughter. And so when we're in the place of thinking, do we have someone to shepherd our life? When we're in place of thinking, is God our Father? Are we really the children of God? The Spirit is there ministering to us, telling us, your life is not contained in this world. 
Your life is not of this world. So when you think about your life, think about the life that's from above. Think about the life that overcame death in the flesh in Jesus. Because that life is your life. In that moment, you'll immediately know of a surety, I am God's son. I am God's daughter. God is my father. Why? Because you'll see your life came from there. And the reason we question that is because we start identifying with the life we see here. The life that's in the strength of the flesh. The life that's in the will of man. The life that's in the things of the world. But that's why John said, those who receive strength do not receive strength from the will of man or the strength of the flesh. Where do they receive strength to appear as the sons of God? From the life that manifested in Jesus, the Father's life itself. That's where they receive strength to experience the life of a son. Right? We have the spirit that adopts us. That's the adoption. It adopts you into the life of God. It intercedes in your heart where the world is like, your life is earthy. And the spirit comes in and is like, bro, your life has been born from above. Oh, you, then you look at where your life has been born from. You know what you see when you look at where your life has been born from? You see God. And then you know what you end up saying? My life has come from God. Abba. <laughs> you see how that works? You see what happens when you look at the life that you have in the world or the life that's been born from the world? You look at that life and you know what that brings forth in you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Am I really your son? Are you really my father? You see where all those thoughts come from? We've all felt those thoughts. That's why Jesus gave utterance to it. He said that for our benefit. He knew where his life came from because right after he says, into your hands, I could be my life. And he calls God Father. He had the spirit of adoption. The spirit corralled him into the life of the Father. Jesus, your life is not contained in these bulls of Bashan that have circled you and them gaping on you. The lion that's roaring against you, your life is not held there. The fact that your bones are being yanked out of their joints, your life is not held there. Your life isn't earthy. Your life is of the heavenly substance. Your life is from above. And then Jesus looks above, Abba, strength. He goes on, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack. He maketh me to lie down in the tender green grass. He stills the storm of the death of this cross with the strength of his grace. You see? See where the power of the live of the Son came from? That's what the Spirit, that's how the Spirit leads us to the place where we cry out, Abba. The Spirit testifies to us that God Himself abides in us. God Himself abides in you. The seed of God's incorruptible life abides in you. The Spirit of God comes to show us that God has anointed us with His life. He has anointed us with His life, and His life overcomes the death of the flesh. That's one of the ways it overcomes. It doesn't just overcome physicality, death. It overcomes the thoughts of death that come against our hearts. We see that life, and that life overcomes the death that tries to come against our hearts. You know how it overcomes it? It tells us that we are the children of God. In the midst of the great contradiction, the life we have from the Father, the Spirit comes in and says, your life isn't earthy, it's from above. And we like, yes. In the midst of a great contradiction, the contradiction of death coming against us, we see our life is from above, and what happens is, is that overcomes the effects of the death in our hearts. That causes us to walk in the power of sonship. Right? So guys, I don't want it to be a cliche anymore. When we say that we're the children of God, 
I want everyone to know what we're saying. We're declaring something. It's not a cliche. And it's not just God likes me. That's like an afterthought that he likes you. We're saying something. And I want us to be reminded. You can be stirred up by way of remembrance every time you say you're a child of God, if you understand what that means. When we're saying we're the children of God, we're declaring something about our life. We're declaring something about where our life comes from. We're declaring about something about where our life is hid. We're declaring that our life isn't earthy. What we're saying is our life is not just dust. Our life isn't born from this world or the things of this world or the happenings of this world. When we say God is our father, we're declaring that our life is made up of a heavenly substance. It's made up of the self-same substance of the life that's in the father himself the life that we saw manifested in the body of Jesus' resurrection that overcame sin and death in the flesh. That's what we're saying when we say God's our Father. There's great strength in that. That's where the strength that came to Jesus was found. And it's no accident that that came down upon Jesus right before his ministry started and right before he went off to be tempted. Right before that is when God said, you are my beloved son, and out of his mouth came the breath of his life and rested upon Jesus. It was the presence of eternal life, the, the, the knowledge that Jesus possessed eternal life that convinced him he was God's son. That's what convinced him. Right? That's why we talk about eternal life so much. That's why we talk about immortality so much. Because the power to walk in sonship is derived in your sight being filled with the immortality that came to light in Jesus. That's where the power of sonship is derived. Right? Billy, that's why people think you're crazy when you're like, well, you know, I wish the government didn't act this way, but man, I'm under the reign of an indestructible life. The government that I'm a part of is the government that's on the shoulders of Jesus' indestructible life. I'm under the ministration of the life that's in heaven. That confounds the carnal mind. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that your Spirit quickened inside of us where our life is from. Thank you, Lord, that your Spirit minister to all of us, that we are heirs, that we've inherited you, that we've inherited the life you have in yourself. Thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is with us, ever reminding us, interceding in our hearts when we encounter the things in this world, the tribulation in the world, that your Spirit is with us in those places, reminding us that our life is not born of this world, that our life is born of you, born from above. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the Spirit of your life and that your Spirit is all the time directing our our eyes to the life we see in Jesus. That is all the time pointing to the life we see in Jesus and all the time telling us that that's our life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you guys so much. You're awesome. 12 o'clock.